Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, coming at you once again with the legend Ricky O'Donnell, an editor and writer at SB Nation, one of the best in the biz. And you already know that if you heard our part one with him earlier in the day. If you haven't, what are you doing? Go check that out. It was a whole lot of fun. We dove deep on Jaden Ivey, but Alex, there was still a lot left to cover with Ricky. Yeah, we get into the second round. A surprising name. I'll just spoil it. Ochai Agbaji is in the second round in Ricky's last big board of the cycle. So we talk about that, whether he thinks that Ochai could actually find his way to the second round or not. We also talk about three centers that could potentially be on the board for the Knicks around pick 42 or for a light trade up in the second round. And, you know, what the differentiators are between those three guys. And we talk about uh, some of the other players that he thinks could be potentially high-level role players or maybe even all-stars out of the second round. Also get an initial look at the 2023 draft because Ricky does have his first 2023 big board dropping tomorrow already. The way-too-early big board, a yearly tradition from him. So we get the inside scoop on that as well. Next on this second edition of Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And we want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day we are now available on all platforms. We, you might know this at this point, but we are on YouTube. So if you've only been hearing us in your headphones or if you're hearing us for the first time, period, uh, certainly go check us out there. Throw us a subscription. Throw us some comments. The comment sections, Alex, they, they've, they've been heating up lately. Uh, so some good, some bad. You want to rip us. You want to compliment us. You just, you just want to throw your opinion out there. It's a great place to do it. But Hey, who are you going to be attacking in that comment section? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest darn Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on social media at thestrick.land. We are lucky enough to once again be joined by Ricky O'Donnell, and he has some wisdom to share with you guys on both the second round of this year's draft and the 2023 draft, so I won't hold us up any longer. Let's get into it right now with Ricky. All right, uh, I wanted to ask you about Jaden Hardy, because if, if we were looking at this, I mean, to the point of, of of you having a preseason board, if we were looking at this in the preseason and the Knicks were picking 11 and you told me, oh, Jaden Hardy's almost 99.9% going to be there, I'd be like, oh, that's it. That's that's the guy the Knicks are looking for, right? The, the, the shot creator, the guy who was a consensus top five recruit coming out of high school. And it, it's so interesting to, I, I know this has been brought up quite a bit, but just the comparison between him and Shaden Sharp and, and, and Shaden Sharp is going to be a top 10 pick, probably a top six or seven pick just because he, didn't play this entire year and Hardy instead kind of put it on the line, went to the G league and got beat up by much older players. And I'm wondering if, I, I mean, you, you could, you could do a whole podcast on this, like the implications of that, whether less people will go to the G league because of it, um, whether less people will decide to abstain from, or more people decide to abstain from playing entirely given that risk, 
Or, or do you give the guy some credit and say, hey, he laid it on the line against like bigger, stronger, older players with pedigrees honestly not that far off from his. And it, it didn't go perfectly, but there's still a whole lot of talent here to bet on. Um, but Ricky, you you seem like you're on the other side of that coin, at least, at least to some extent, having him down at 26 on your board. Yeah, I was never that high on him. Like I think in the initial ESPN mock draft for this class, they had him like in the top three, maybe yeah. even number one. And I think in mine, I had him like ninth. I was just not totally sold for two reasons. One, it's just like, what I like to see out of a guard is like, what can you get that's easy? And nothing with Jaden Hardy is easy. It's all like meticulous step back pull-ups. And it looks sick when it goes in. And you can watch a Jaden Hardy high school highlight reel. And you're like, oh, this guy looks like Bradley Beal. He's incredible. He should be a top five recruit, which he was. Uh but also, like, shouldn't you be getting easier shots when you're playing against high school kids? And shouldn't you be getting easier shots against, you know, guys you're supposed to be way better than? So that scared me a little bit. And then also, like, he's a 6'4 guard who he needs to, you know, you want him with the ball in his hands because he's such a dynamic shot creator. But I don't think he's a great facilitator. I don't think he's particularly skilled at reading the defense. Uh, shot selection, an issue just because he often gets to tough looks, and that's where he's at his best. It's kind of a double-edged sword. And then going to the rim, not a great athlete. Like, he's not a maxi or Jordan Poole level athlete going to the rim in terms of his in and out burst. So that's why I'm a little lower on him, too. But I will say, he's got a really tight ball handling ability. He's got a good frame, and he's a good pull-up shooter. The contacts with the G League Ignite was also kind of tough because in addition to going against older players, like, look who else they had on that team. Dyson Daniels, Marjan Bocamp, Michael Foster. None of those guys could shoot. Scoot Henderson is going to be the number two pick next year, most likely. So it's like, you know, someone like Hardy probably needs space to operate and to look better as a rim driver. And he just didn't have that in the G League. So I can argue it both ways with Hardy. I think ultimately, like if you're in your in the 20s, he's definitely a person worth gambling on in this class. I mean, just based off the pedigree and some of the highlights you can talk yourself into him. I'm a little lower on him just because, like, how good is he going to be as an off-ball shooter? I think that's my first question. Like, is he going to be one of these guys who can zip around screens and, you know, just quickly rise and fire into a shot? I think he's a little more comfortable off the dribble than he is off the catch. I could be wrong about that. Uh, I also don't really value him as, like, a plus defender. So, to me... He's like a, a dice roll on sort of a star level offensive skill set, but I don't think he has many outs to be a role player. So not my favorite upside gamble, but you know, if he was really good, would I be surprised? No, not really. Yeah, sort of a sort of an all or nothing proposition there of either you figure it out, you become a star, or you, <laughs> there's just no role for it. It's sort of in some ways reminds me of almost like a different player, but like the way that you were just talking, it's almost like Alonzo Trier or something where it's like, you have to figure things out so perfectly on the offensive end for this to work. And if you don't, it's just not going to necessarily work as well as you want it to. <laughs> um, I, there's another guy though, that is, and this could be our perfect bridge to maybe just briefly talk about some second round guys too. But uh, one guy that you have pretty low on your board that I think would probably raise some eyebrows compared to consensus is uh, Ochai Agbaji. His, I've never had a last name tie me up more than his does this this cycle. But you have him at 35 on your board. Uh, and so I'm kind of curious, do you think that there's a world where he could actually have a free fall like that, given 
he seems to me, if we're talking about guys that could be role players in the NBA, he seems to me like an almost guaranteed bet for NBA role player production. Um, so do you think he could actually fall that low? Because again, that's another guy that I look at if I'm the Knicks and say, oh, if he hits the 30th pick, like it's game on. Like we're going to try to move up and grab this guy because we, you know, he could probably be a really good contributor. Uh, or is that more just a personal preference thing on your end, like more so than something that you think might actually happen as far as he goes? I don't think he'll fall. Again, teams are risk averse, more so than me, who faces no consequences for my bad opinions. So he is just seems like a safer pick, right? The reason I'm lower on him is because, I mean, as a 3 and D guy, he's just not that big. Most like I'd rather have like a bigger wing if I'm taking a college senior as a three and D guy. So doesn't have great size. Uh, and I just sort of doubt him with the ball in his hands. Like how much, what, what more is he adding other than his jump shot to your offense? Right. And I think he's a little bit limited in terms of what he can do besides for spot up shooting. And in terms of his defense, I don't view him as, like, a great defensive prospect. I think he's fine. But I can also, like, totally see your point of, like, well, you know, if you have a star on ball creator, like, just get guys like Igbaji who can just slot in, hit a catch-and-shoot jumper, play a little bit of D. So I guess my quibble is just, like, how good is his defense? Is it, like, truly impactful at an NBA level? I'm a little lower on it, I guess. And then it's just, like, is there any latent upside to, like, you know, you don't want to be a straight 3 and D guy. You got, like, the guys who really have value are the guys who can provide a little more juice by putting the ball on the deck. And I'm just a little skeptical there of Igbaji. So he's a senior. I mean, I remember when he was at Kansas, he, they redshirted him his freshman year. And then Bill Self pulled the redshirt off him midway through the year. You almost never see that. And he's just like, you know, it was in February of that year. And Bill Self was like, this guy's one of the best players on the team. We got to put him on the floor. And he was really good right away. He was always an athlete who couldn't shoot. And then this year he was on fire as a shooter to start the year. He was like 50% for a lot of the year. Then he cooled down big time. And then what do you do against Villanova in the final four? He hit like six threes or seven threes. And it was all like immediate. If you remember that game, it was boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Igbaji threes. Uh, you know, there's other bets in this class I'd rather take than him. But again, wouldn't be surprised if he finds the right fit, the right role, the right team. Uh, you could definitely see him being a solid floor spacer and defender. All right, guys, we'll be back with Ricky in just a sec to wrap this up, talking some interesting second round center prospects, including the brilliant shot blocking of Walker Kessler and some thoughts on what makes the 2023 draft so special. But first, oh boy, do I have, do I have an opening to this ad read for you guys? Boom shakalaka, we have big news. The one and only NBA Jam is back. Arcade 1UP, the leader in at-home retro arcade games, is not only bringing the best game ever back, but they made it bigger than ever before with, wait for it, a Shaq edition machine. People are obsessed with NBA Jam, and I'm thrilled to tell our listeners that you can once again play hoops with NBA legends in this arcade classic. Jump clear across the court and set the ball on fire in one of the sp only sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. You can compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade1Up.com for an estimated early September ship date. 
Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, one of my all-time favorites, and many others starting at just $399. Check this out. They're giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked-on listener. And we want it to be a locked-on Knicks fan. So, guys, please throw your name, and all you have to do to enter for a chance to win the game console for your man cave is head over to arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one, up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th to enter to win an NBA Jam Shack edition console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? If you... This is a tough question because it's, it's literally asking you to pick a needle in, in a haystack. But if you had to bet on one guy you currently have projected as a second round pick to make an all-star team at some point in their career, who would it be? Wow. Let me look at my board really quick. I'm scanning it as fast as I can. So we're saying someone on my board who's after 30? Yeah. Again, not 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 someone who exists every year, right? Some some drafts, you get your Jokic's, you get your Draymond Green's. Every once in a while, you, you get this guy. But but who who is the highest potential of that? Good job killing time for me there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say... I was going to start singing if, if, if you needed me to. <laughs> I'm going to say Jabari Walker out of Colorado, the son of Samaki Walker. And if he has any sense of humor, he will show up wearing his father's silk white jumpsuit and top hat to the draft because that would just be dope. That's what Samaki Walker <laughs> wore in the 90s. Uh, he had sort of an underwhelming year this season at Colorado, but I think like bad team context around him. He's someone who I think could, he's just got a big, strong frame. I think he can slot into a three and D role in the league where he like has a little bit more strength and more size than someone like Igbaji. I'm not totally sold that Igbaji is like a way better shooter than him. I think, you know, Walker, I don't have his shooting numbers off the top of my head, but he had a disappointing year this year, but I think like, it was just tough team context. They didn't have a lot of other creators around him. Uh, Colorado, never really a premier program, especially when you compare him to Kansas. So I just like his frame. I think he's got, you know, pretty solid baseline level of skills and potentially, you know, really good role player who might have a little bit of upside. So I'd say him. So to move to maybe our last uh, thing here, there's three guys that I think have been sort of considered to be the the like second tier of more like true center type prospects in this draft after of course Jalen Duran and Mark Williams that are mostly being you know mocked higher in the draft and those three guys are Walker Kessler Christian Coloco and uh Ismael Kamagate and so you have Kessler at 24 Coloco at 38 and Kamagate at 51 I've kind of seen those guys ranked all over the place, depending on who yeah. you talk to. You know, sometimes they're in sort of a cluster at the end of the first round. Sometimes they're more spread out, like on your board with, you know, sometimes it's Kessler's in the middle and Coloco's up higher. Sometimes someone has Kamigate up higher. You know, it's like it's like musical chairs, you know, with who ends up where with those three guys. I'm kind of curious what your rationale is, because the Knicks, I think depending on where the Mitchell Robinson situation lands, which now reporting in the last couple of days is starting to lean towards, well, maybe they are going to find a new contract and, and sign him to a new deal once free agency starts. So maybe that does happen and they don't have as pressing of a need to get another big to put on the team with presumably Jericho Sims and then at least one of Taj Gibson or Nerlens Noel probably. But, you know, e even if they do re-sign Mitch, Maybe there's some utility in going after a guy like that anyway, if you think it's best player available there. But anyway, all that is to say, what sort of went into your your thought process amongst those three guys and why you ranked them out the way that you did? 
Nothing but gut feeling, baby. No, I don't know. <laughs> like, they are close. You could really argue it either way. I think I went with Kessler because, first of all, he was like the greatest shot blocker in college basketball history this year. Like, he led college hoops in his block rate. He was putting up games where he was regularly getting like eight blocks in a game. Am I making this up that he had like 14 blocks in a game? Let me scan the box. He, so he had 12 in a game. He had 11 in a game. I mean, his shot blocking numbers were legitimately comical. And, you know, Jabari got a lot of the credit for Auburn being so good this year. But really, Walker Kessler was a big reason why, too. And I also think that, like, he might have more shooting potential than those other guys. Or he does, I think. So, like, Coloco was also awesome. Similar, like, rim runner, rim protector, big hulking man. But he was like 0 for 3 from three-point range the whole year. Kessler, while not a knockdown shooter by any means, he took 53s. So I tend to think that the volume is pretty meaningful just in terms of like, okay, at least he's trying them. Now, he also was a sub-60% free throw shooter. So I don't know how much you can really put into that for his career. Walker Kessler, 57% from the line. Tough, no doubt about it. But I think that he has the strongest rim protection skills out of those three and the most shooting upside. So I got him there. I mean, you know, centers, it's in the eye of the beholder a lot of times, especially with these rim runner, rim protector types. If I'm drafting a center high, usually I want them to be a plus passer or a plus shooter or ideally both. And none of those guys project as either of those things, but neither does Mark Williams. So, I like Kessler, I guess, out of those three. I put him 24 on my board, so I guess I've been branded as a Walker-Kessler guy now, and i got to live with the <laughs> results, but why not? Let's go for it. He's He really is a good rim deterrent, and uh, you know he might have a little bit more offensive game in the future than he showed at the college level because Auburn had horrible guards. If you watched Auburn this year, that was just a total shit show in terms of their shot creation from their guards. So... Uh, would like to see him with a, a better table setter. Maybe he could unlock his offense a bit more. All right. Very last thing, Ricky, just because you mentioned it, uh, you, you said you had that 2023 board coming um, right after the draft. What stood out to you outside of Victor Wembanyama just being an, an insane one-of-one uh, -one prospect in, in, in your early prep on next year's draft? Biggest thing that stood out is none of these guys, top guys playing college hoops. Two guys in overtime elite. I'm like, can you, I can't even find stats for overtime elite. How am I <laughs> supposed to do this? And like all the stats, like everyone is like a 6% steal rate. It's like, what does this even mean? So that's just my main takeaway. The Thompson twins both coming out of overtime elite. You got Scoot Henderson, who is from suburban Atlanta. He will be at the G League Ignite. You got Wembenyama, obviously, at the top. He's the man. I got a big Wembenyama breakdown publishing tomorrow. So you could look for that on SPNation.com. That'll publish Wednesday, 2023 mock on Friday. And then I was actually able to see a lot of these kids at uh, the McDonald's game in practice. I was there. That was in Chicago. And I was also there for the Jordan Brand Classic, which was also in Chicago, practice and game. And I guess one thing that stands out is there's just – can I swear on this podcast or no? We could bleep it. Okay, no. <laughs> there are a lot of guys who I would say are big, strong, mean dudes. Just brick bleep houses. You can say crap houses. We'll go with that. Cam Whitmore. <laughs> Cam Whitmore is the first guy like that going to Villanova next year. The dude has like, I don't want to say Zion level springs, but he like almost does with like that ridiculously big, strong frame. 
so he's one of them. Jarris Howard, who is going to Houston next year, very similar frame. He's more skilled, like he's very much more gravity bound than Whitmore is, but uh, also Bruiser, pretty talented. Chris Livingston from Kentucky, similarly big frame. So just a bunch of big, strong guys who do not look like they're 18 years old in this next class. And then some really talented players at the top. The Thompson Twins are freaks as athletes. Scoot Henderson just gives an uh, old, nostalgic person like myself just prime D-Rose vibes or you know, someone like Westbrook or John Wall. And then Wembenyama is just one of one all-timer. So going to be a fun class for sure. It's going to be weird. I'm going to like – who am I watching in college hoops next year? Like Houston is going to be the most interesting team. Nova will be interesting with Whitmore, who is really excellent at the FIBA U18, I think, stuff. So it'll be a fun class for sure. And uh, just Wembenyama, stay healthy, bro, because if he stays healthy, he's going to be – I mean, I compared him to Lou Alcindor entering UCLA. That was my comparison for him. What do I know? I'm just a guy. But – he really passes the eye test. He passes the statistical analysis as well. So it'll be a fun class again. You're literally the second person that's come on and said Lou Alcindor about him really? uh, recently. So yeah, I, I, clearly you're not alone in the in the the, the large uh, outlook for him because it seems like everybody has that sort of thought about uh, women Yama. But yeah, as far as what you, you're going to watch, you could be scouring the internet looking for overtime elite streams somewhere, I guess. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, Ricky, you mentioned I'll, I'll pump up for you again the uh, the piece on Wembenyama that you have coming out uh, that'll probably be out by the time this podcast is out, as well as the 2023 uh, very early big board, which will be coming out the day after this podcast in all likelihood. Do you have anything else that you want to remind everybody about? And uh, do you want to just tell everybody where to find you on Twitter and all that good stuff too? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky and all my writing at SBNation.com. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Ricky, for coming on again and giving us so much time. We're super appreciative because, uh, as I said, we always love your draft takes. I like that you always have – you You never seem to have a board that fits consensus, but I like that because I like differing opinions. So uh, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing you know, your thoughts with us on some of these guys right before the draft here. And uh, certainly – when it t- comes time again, we'll be having you on to talk some 2023 guys unless the Knicks trade all their draft picks to get Jade Ivey this year, in which case next year's draft cycle will be very boring for us. So if that's the case, it's been a pleasure having you on twice. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you again sooner than later. Thanks, guys.